Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode nine of season nine, and I'm your host, Andy Davis. As always, I can't change that, I'm sorry. It's our penultimate show of the season, and it's a real state of the industry one today as we look at an area that is a real bellwether for how we're all doing, and that's recruitment. Redundancies and job losses are always an indicator of a significant downturn. However, there are still significant skills gaps and there are vacancies that can't be filled. Good people are still really hard to find. So we'll be getting the expert view of Peter Jones from recruitment agency, Fulling Jones. But first, are you a KBB retailer, designer, installer or supplier? Of course you are. If you're not, then I'll be honest, this podcast probably isn't for you. Sorry about that. But otherwise, you need to know that entries are now open for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024. It's the biggest awards in the industry and it's totally free to enter. The closing date is November the 16th, so head along to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out everything you need to know about categories, entering and booking seats and tables for the event in March. That's kbbreview.com forward slash awards and I'll put that link in the episode description. So joining me now in actual person here in KBB Review Towers is Peter Jones. Hello, Peter. Andrew, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for the invite to KBB Towers. Um, I, did you know I've safely arrived on time in full um, <laughs> and they navigated the, the, the reasonably difficult parking space? That's it, two-man lift. It was tough. I mean, you did say, you did warn me, you said you haven't seen the size of the space yet, but uh, it wasn't so much the size, it was the angle. Yeah, it's like trying to fold your car in half before you can actually get around the corners and then unfold it into the space. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm looking forward to today. I feel like I'm in the presence of uh, podcast royalty. <laughs> well, he'll be along in a minute. But until then, look, tell you what, for those that, I'm sure there's very few, but for those that don't know Foyne Jones, give us the quick 30-second overview of Foyne Jones. Uh, Foyne Jones Recruitment Group was founded back in the uh, summer of 2003. We're showing my grey hairs. We started trading in 2004. We're in our 20th year trading. We are a specialist recruiter and talent attraction business for the KBB um, construction industry. Yeah, so huge amounts of experience in recruitment. And that's why I wanted to get you in to talk to you about it today, because I think recruitment is a kind of bellwether for the, how the industry is doing. Times are good, people are hiring. When times are bad, people are shedding jobs. But it's just not that clear cut at the moment, I don't think. I don't think it's as black and white as that. Yes, I think there's lots of redundancies and, and job losses happening because of downturns. But equally, there's lots of skills shortages. There's lots of vacancies that can't be filled. It's still really hard to find good people and the two things don't seem to match up very well so let's start at the beginning you know the recruitment market you know the kbb market what's your assessment of how it is currently doing what's the current state of it you've got two different arguments at the moment you've got a job seeking argument and you've got a hiring manager argument so from the job seekers perspective they will say that there's a lack of immediate opportunities and you mentioned about the r word the redundancy redundancy is back the r word is back you've got businesses realigning making structural changes also from the job seekers perspective if you went around to buy your weekly food shop it's costing you significantly more than what it cost you this time last year if like many of us you've got a mortgage that you pay the likelihood is you're paying significantly significantly more on your mortgage than you were this time last year. So things like job security are really, really crucial to you. Equally, what you're earning pounds, shillings and pence makes a massive difference. So so job seekers will, will have a view on lack of opportunity, a lack of transparency. All that glitters isn't gold. You know, what I, what I believe I'm applying for when I arrive isn't there. 
So they'll have an opinion and they'll have their voice and their voice could be very loud if you look on social channels about we, we should all do better. Recruiters are evil. Hiring managers are evil. So there's a, there's a job seeking argument. From an employer and a hiring manager's argument, you are then dealing with doing the right thing in a completely different way. You've got job seekers, candidates that are accepting interviews vanishing off the face of the earth. You know, we're scrambling air, seeing rescue to get in touch with them. I speak to employers that are are so stressed out with the entire recruitment process. They say, Peter, can you and your business just take the pain away? You know, help us. We can't reach the right people. We can't attract the right people. We can't onboard the right people. And when we do do it, they don't turn up on day one. So So there's conflicting arguments across there. What you're also seeing is businesses, certainly the retailers that you you talk to, they had post-COVID, they had had, had it off in terms of pipeline, in terms of build up a business, in terms of opportunity. That's slowing down dramatically now. So whereas they would have been perhaps more ambitious or more open-minded about giving someone a chance... They are potentially in some, more often than not, actually, they're looking for the finished article. You know, I want to just go to football. I want a 20 season, 20 goal a season striker. I want them to hit, get into my team, hit the ground running, lead the line, hold the ball up, play in the wingers, put the ball in the back of the net. But I'm only offering like championship or division one wages. Well, there's a disconnect there between employability standards, what job seekers are demanding, how they're behaving and how some hiring managers are are telling us the market is there's a massive disconnect and it varies so much. I can have a conversation with you right now and you could be saying, look, you know, I've got too much interest, but not from the right people. I can go 10 miles down the road, talk to someone and they'll say, look, we can't get any interest at all. So each one of those conversations becomes becomes more in-depth. Why are you not getting interest? Why are you getting too much interest? What did your ad look like? What's your interview process like? For anyone from the outside looking in, recruitment looks really easy until you've got to do it. And then trust me, it is not easy. And I think there's there's so many different messages out there which can be miscued. But that's that's it. That's how it is right now. That's how it is right now. We're, we're finding it very interesting. Well, let's step back a bit to the redundancy part of it. So that's when recruitment and job seeking becomes an urgent thing. You know, you've lost your job, you've been made redundant. Do you get the feeling that redundancies are companies correcting themselves following that boom? Or do you think this is a a complete pullback and reduction in cost? I think if you've been made redundant, and I spoke to so many people that that have been made redundant, you feel that your heart and soul has been ripped away from you. So dealing with that as as a human being is a challenge first and foremost. And it's not the end. It it genuinely isn't the end. But at that moment in time, it does feel like the end. The numbers are nowhere near like they were during the pandemic. They're nowhere near like they were. I'm seeing businesses restructuring. I'm seeing an emphasis on different areas of businesses. You know, you've got business critical roles, which will always need to be replaced. But if there isn't a market to go for, do we need a team of 10 external business developers? Where can we where can we cut loose? Where can we save money? If we've got a number one and a number two and a number three, could we run with a number one and a number three and maybe take out a number two into, in terms of tiers of leadership and management? So you are seeing that. But also from a retailer's perspective, the retailers you see on the high street and those businesses... They're under financial pressure. They're under cost pressure. They're under sales pressure. So we are seeing showrooms closing. We are seeing people losing their jobs. We are, see, we are seeing a change in shape. Look at your average high street now. It's not a pretty postcard when you walk down it. So I think that as well as the shock and awe of a Wilco, with, with you know thousands of jobs potentially, God forbid, you know, you're going, you're seeing it on a smaller scale. And then the pressure that puts on to the industry 
and everyone involved, it's t- quite terrifying at times. It's quite terrifying because you've got you've got a duty of care to to support. We, you know, you go back to your save our skills. You know, you stood up. There were people in the pandemic that stood up. But you look at it now. I understand why businesses. I'm a business owner myself. I'm 20 years in. I understand you have to make financial decisions. But we're also seeing the aftermath of some bad employment decisions and some bad recruitment strategies and some. You know, we'll bring them in. We'll pay what it takes. You know, that's backfiring somewhat. So the market. You know, if you look through your publication, there's positions advertised. How many of those positions will actually end up with an appointment before the end of this calendar year? Don't know. So we see it from all sides. But that's what makes it so interesting, I think, because it isn't black and white. There's redundancies coming down the line, and you're seeing it, and I'm seeing it. Whether that's a correction or whether that's a, you know, a market indication, there's, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. What about the recruitment side of things? Is the number of vacancies decreasing, or are, are there as many people recruiting as there ever was? There are less vacancies coming onto the market every month than there was this time last year, without a doubt. And you can talk to as many people in different sectors. You can look at the data and that, that's your key driver. There's less positions coming on. There's also, this This is where it gets really interesting, there's less people actively looking for work. So, you know, the passive candidate, the passive job seeker becomes even more in demand. Assuming the guys who do have a job and are quite happy where they are, but they might get tempted somewhere else, that they're thinking, thanks very much, I'm happy where hey, I am. They're, they're, going, they're, going, they're going head down. I want to pay my mortgage. My renewal's up. You know, my fixed term's coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. So the, the speculative interest, the tempting the people in, yeah, there's less market force there. But in terms of, you know, from my business, actual live projects, because I, I prefer to talk about our relationships as partnerships and our vacancies as projects, I'm seeing it, it's businesses are taking longer. So time to hire is longer. There might be another one or two levels in. So, you know, step one, video interview, step two, informal interview, step three, presentation to the board, step four, dinner, step five, psychosymmetric tests, in any order you want, really. But where you're putting that in, you're seeing you're seeing job seekers kind of lose interest. You know, they're thinking, and, and that's the, the doing the right thing. You know, if I had a message today from this podcast, it would be to businesses that are hiring and job seekers that are applying for jobs do the right thing treat others how you like to be treated yourself for every person that doesn't turn up for an interview there are people that would crawl over broken glass for that opportunity let's take that one by one so i'm a retailer i've got a vacancy for a sales designer or whatever the job title is that means that what do i need to do to make sure a i'm I'm appealing to the right people that when i go through a recruitment process i'm getting the people that i want actually applying for it and not completely random people and what do I need to do in terms of that process for when people start applying? What do I need? What is the right thing to do to make sure I come out the other end of it with the person I need? Those questions are, are what I'm asked every day, and 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 it, and it will vary from business to business. It will vary demographically from postcode to postcode. It will vary from brand to brand. But what should always be a north star, what should always be front and center, is knowing what good looks like for your business. If you know what good looks like. That gives you a starting point. So if you want to attract someone who's in the right location, he's got the right image, got the right personality, would culturally fit, and they've got the right level of product familiarization. They've worked with your software. They've worked in your, your level, you know, if it's a luxury or mid-range, whatever. Why would they come and work for you? You know, what, what's in it for them? Because as much as we think that people, you know, will live and die it, you know, if, if it's not your name over the door, and they're salaried employees, if they've not got a real actual share of the company profits, this is their job. And work-life balance, we all woke up to that. So what, what's in it for them? Once you get your offer right, 
in terms of that position, then you've got to think about where does that person hang out? You know, how will I reach them? The business business owner will go, I'm going to write a job ad. I'm going to use my job description. I'm going to put it on Indeed. I'll put it on a job board. I'll, 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 I'll open the doors and people will come. That may work. If it works, you're in a great place. But you often miss some of the tricks which you can do yourself before you even advertise a job. Word of mouth referrals, networking, building your brand, get, getting your, your message out there. We look at look at offering a pathway and that path takes you from understanding what good looks like, marketing your vacancy online and offline, networking with the key influencers and the key people that could add value. And they might not add value by doing the job, but they might add value by knowing someone who'd be interested in the job. Word of mouth referral is worth everything. Then when you arrive, and fingers crossed, Andy, Andrew, you arrive at a short list of suitable people, let's say you're looking in your, your showroom, you're looking for five things. And we say, well, look, if you find someone that's got three of those five things, do you reckon they're worth interviewing? Yeah, I'll interview them. Okay, right. So we get someone who's got four of those five. Oh, definitely interview them. What about if we get five out of five? 100%. I'll do star jumps. What about if we get six out of five? So put them in an Uber. So you've got a search criteria. Now, you can expand that psychosymmetrically. You can expand that through academia as much as you want. But if you have that North Star, that's what we're looking for. And we've got three of the attributes, four of the attributes you've got a starting point. Companies like yours, recruiters in general, I think, and I think it's one of the mistakes that sometimes people think of recruitment agencies, is that you find people to fill jobs, you don't find jobs for people. Andy, I mean, first of all, what you've just said there, I'm so glad you said it, because right. <laughs> there is such a misconception that the, the role of a recruiter is not to find you a job. The role of a recruiter is to support the business that's recruiting and introduce them to the most talented people that suit that North Star of criteria. So whether that will be through a good old-fashioned strategic headhunt, that's what we get out of bed for as recruiters. That, that, that's, where it, that's where the magic really happens. Whether it's through really sophisticated, sexy content and brand advertising, you're going to wake up in the morning with three or four applications from five or six stars of the, the content you're looking for. So that, that's always a misconception. But do you think that companies don't do enough to sell themselves to people who are looking for a job? Because you talk about that North Star but if I'm looking for a job, I've got I've got a North Star as well. I know what I want. I'm looking for things in a company. There's certain elements that I'm looking for that perhaps companies don't sell themselves. Killer question. Uh, do, can companies sell themselves better? Can hiring managers sell themselves better? One million percent, yes. I mean, an interview goes both ways, doesn't it? Now it does. There's a misconception still that an interview should be like a scene from Dragon's Den or a clip from The Apprentice. You know, we will sing for our supper. We'll put you under pressure. We'll sit at the other end of the big table. Make someone feel uncomfortable make them feel intimidated you won't see the best in them so there are standards in terms of interview processes that can be improved but going back to the can companies market themselves better can companies brand themselves better can they have better hiring standards all day long all day long that goes from how the advert is worded i see adverts which are middle management area sales position you know you can earn 40k you get a company car you get a phone giving them a phone and a car to do a job when you're out on the road is not a benefit. That's not a benefit. So talk about giving them healthcare. Talk about how you can support them with extra holiday, you know, a work-life balance. Give them something tangible, which is a benefit. You know, added pension contributions, a day off once a month to take your kids to school. You know, different different areas are real benefits. So the, the world of we play ping pong and we go to the pub on a Friday, that's not necessarily going to bring you the best people. But standards in terms of how we interview, how we treat people... Biggest frustrations I get from, from, and this is, this is from the job seeker side, is adverts that don't show the effing salary. 
Big time. Now, I can go through your publication, any publication, loads of job boards, and not every advert will show the salary. So I had this continual argument. The minute you don't put your salary on, you're taking out 75% of people that might be interested in your job. That's okay. Do it. Because you, if you don't find the right person, guess what? You'll probably be ringing me up saying, could you help? Showing the salary. Not responding to applications. You've been bothered to create an advert. They've put it in the KPB magazine. They've put it online. Spent a few bob with Indeed. Spent some money with CV Library, total jobs. You've got 82 applications. You've not been bothered to reply. So, so candidates replying and thinking it's the great unknown. So for every employer that does well, others don't. You attend an interview. You're not sure how the interview went. It was okay. You know, it was all right. Never got any feedback. Shall I chase? Sorry? Well, it's three weeks now. Shall I chase? Yeah, chase. Go and knock on their front door. Ring them up. What's the worst that can happen? You know, you, you've, you've probably been unsuccessful, but get closure. So treating people the right way, so many schoolboy errors, schoolgirl errors happening all the time. Let's say this is an example. Me and you, we have an interview today. And I say to you, Andy, really good to meet you. I'm going to be back in touch by Friday. We shake hands. You go home. You tell your missus, oh, I've had a great chat with Peter. Seems a really nice guy. He's got some weird tattoos, but I quite like, his, you know, quite like how he is. Um, he's going to be back in touch with me by Friday. Here we go. Crackerjack time, 4.45. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Right. No one's there. You're sitting there going, what? Why did they say that? Now, if I'd have said to you, really good to meet you, Andy, probably going to be in touch this time next week, say Tuesday, Wednesday, and I ring you on Friday, how happy are you going to be? But if I still ring you Tuesday, Wednesday, that's okay because that's what I've said. But it's managing expectations. The, the amount of frustration that builds in job seekers, and then what's, what happens then with that same job seeker, when they apply for the next job, they might not bother going. So they're like, well, I'm just going to be treated the same again. And you're, you're actually damaging the industry because you're just not doing the right thing. First of all, kudos for a five o'clock Friday crackerjack reference because that really does show your age. Yeah, great. And, and the, we could do grand jewel if you want. And the fact that I got it shows yeah. my age as well. Yeah. Mate, it's not in your audience. I know. But I mean, look, the flip side of that is... I'm quite sure there's lots of recruiters that get incredibly frustrated by people not turning up for interviews and all that kind of thing. But from the recruiter's point of view, if they've had 82 applications for something, the chances are that they go through the first 20 and they're so irrelevant and they're so nowhere near anything that they need and don't have any of the skills that they want. That can be quite a frustrating process to narrow things down. And I can see why you don't reply to every single one of them or, or whatever it is, because you think, well, I, you know. Why? So no, let's just stop there. So, so you, you've wrote an advert. Yeah. 82 human beings, because we're going to presume they're not chatbots and we're going to presume these aren't automated. Let's presume they're 82 human beings have applied for a job. Yes, but I'm being devil's advocate here. But I, particularly if they come through online, it's very easy just to mash the submit button. Yeah, I agree with you. So if you've got a kitchen designer in Somerset and a guy in Glasgow who's an accountant has just clearly mashed the submit button, I can see why people go, why would he even think that I would employ him? Would you treat someone like that? No, well, would you I, not? Would you not just 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 hit the automated button on the on the ad that says, no, I, "I'm sorry, you've been unsuccessful." I can see why. I suppose is what I'm saying. I can see. I why, can't I, see. See, I, I yeah. really struggle with that. I yeah. can see why you would the recruiter would get frustrated and think they've mashed the submit. They've got nothing. They, don't, they haven't even read the job ad. They don't even know what it's for. So you know, I'll put them to one side and I'll look at the ones that have actually got some kind of relevant experience. I can see why you wouldn't feel compelled to reply to all of them. If those applicants had come through a, let's say they've come through a job board, you can flag them really quickly. So, so at the same time you're reading them and you're going, why is Jim, the accountant from Glasgow, applied to work in my beautiful showroom in Wales, Somerset? I get it. He's not suitable. Like, like unless he's got a real passion for something, you know, I get it. But when you've assessed that suitability, you can just tick a box 
tick a box. And we're talking about microseconds here, which actually means that when you finish going through, you just reply back to him. It's not that personal. It's automated. But the Glasgow accountant you mentioned, you've dealt with him professionally. So your brand's doing the right thing. So if you adopt it, and, and a lot of small business owners do it, I'm too busy, I'm this, I'm that. Right? But if you don't care about what your ad's bringing in, why is your advert bringing in 82 unsuitable people? It's going to keep doing it because, and some of these boards, again, and this is where people just completely don't look at the DNA of it, they're paying for ad applicant. So they're actually paying per click. So if someone's clicking on, it's costing them a few more, a few bob more, but you're not stopping it by saying that's unsuitable. So I would challenge that till my dying day. If someone's bothered to apply for a position, just let them know. All you're doing there is you're, you're killing it and then you're moving on. So for the People looking for a job, and you coach these guys, you help them through, mm. and you, know, you give them a lot of, uh, of advice for this thing. You know, I'm sure if there are people listening to this who are recruiters thinking, that's great, Peter, but I've arranged interviews, people don't turn up, they pull out at the last minute. There is equal frustration on the other side. At the moment, right now, September 2023, this passage of play, I would say, since around May onwards, it has been, and I'm in my 20th year, it has been the most horrific Passage of play for attendance of interviews. Really? I've never, ever dealt... I'm going to write a book. I've wrote a couple. I'm going to do a new book on excuses. I've never dealt with so many lies. It's actually outrageous, all right? And it goes even further. Oh, what's the best one? Come on. Oh, man, I've got loads. You know, it, it, can go, it can go from the bus has broke down to my wife's not well to the cat's run over to someone's hit my car to my phone's been stolen. Well, I've got so many. I, I've got so many. Some are absolute surreal. And then you've got the, to nick a trending word, you've got the ghosters. You know, where, where I want to scramble a drone. And one of the problems I've got, and I know anyone who's hiring will feel this pain, when someone doesn't turn up for an interview, when someone doesn't return my call, when they start swerving me, I still, 20 years in, I still take it like a dagger to the heart. I take it personally. So I will find you. I will, I will WhatsApp you. I will email you. I will call you at the weekend. I will keep going until... I'm I'll, a little bit scared now. Can I'll I send messages that say, Andy, like thank, Liam thank you so much for applying. We've got brilliant feedback. We're really sorry you didn't make it. We can see you anytime you want next week. But if you're not, for whatever reason, you don't want to come, I've got three other people that would love this opportunity. Just drop me a text back and just say, not interested. Two words. And they don't. We've got one at the moment. We've got one amazingly talented kitchen designer. She's accepted a position, agreed a start date, which was later than we, we wanted, but it enabled her to secure a higher commission and leave on good terms. So absolutely no problem. The business was amazingly supportive. So they, so they created a completely new onboarding program, completely new induction program to reflect the start date. Start date's a couple of weeks away, gone. Disappeared off the face of the earth. Other than getting in a motor and knocking on the door and saying like, why are you doing this? That's how job seekers are treating employers. I know the pain they're dealing with, right? I know, I know what a no-show means to them. If you arrange to stay, I'm going to stay late to meet this person seven o'clock after work, eight o'clock after work, because, you know, they're busy during the day and they don't turn up. Wow. So you say that's increased. Why? Why do you think that is? Um, I think that people are, are using, they're using a new job offer to take a counter offer from their employer. They're, I think they get nervous. I think they get scared. I've had conversations, grown up conversations with very, very intelligent, mature people that have said, Peter, I've just changed my mind. And, and we deal with that. This is the, 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 the irony of it is, is that for whatever reason, if you don't want to accept the job or you can't attend an interview, do the right thing and let someone know. 
You know, if you've been offered a job and you've decided not to accept it, don't just vanish off the face of the earth because it damages your reputation as a human being, it damages your reputation as a professional. It's a small sector. Be careful what you wish for. What what has changed from the recruitment perspective since COVID when it comes to flexibility and working from home? It was forced on us during COVID. And when we came out of COVID, it was like an entitlement to work from home all the time. That seems to be a thing that everyone wants to do. You spent th- a lot of time in your loft, didn't you? I spent a lot of time in my loft. I really, really have. Oh, my God. And it's really hot up there at the moment. That's why I'm here today with the air conditioning. But is this idea of complete package, which includes flexibility and working from home, an absolute requirement and a must now, even for showrooms or people who work with, with clients? How has that changed recruitment? Prior to COVID, nine out of 10 job seekers would never ask about hybrid working, remote working, flexible hours. You had some forward thinking businesses that, that were set up and were able to offer it and they were doing it. We, we learned with our own video software. We've been pioneering to use video rather than CV and we've been doing that since 2016. But in 2016, 2017, do you, do you know what FaceTime is? Do you know what Skype is? Do you, you, know, you, you were trying to educate that side of it to grow up. And we, we did, like you said. We woke up overnight to the fact that, well, we can't go into the office. They're closed. You can't go to your showroom. That's closed. But the job seeker coming out of the pandemic has had a taste of work life. And and I think it did remind us all that spending time with our family, spending time at home, you know, thinking about coming out of the grind a little bit, coming out of the hustle can actually be a good thing for you. So people are are interested in, you know, can, can I work hybrid? Can I work remotely? What's the flexibility? Something which I think hasn't really, I don't know any businesses in the KB, but you, you may, but I don't know any businesses I'm talking to that have even got near a four-day week not gone near it you know it's like it's like Voldemort shouldn't be spoken about it it doesn't get spoken about but other industries and other sectors if we're talking about the stars of the future the the uni lever the school lever the college lever the kid in the middle of the class who's got some potential but you know needs needs the right home they'll be looking at what's in it for them the younger generations now they don't want to do 25 years and get a watch they don't do anything for them they want to travel they want to work wherever they can work. They're looking for different things. The industry has to wake up to that because it's being asked for. You can't always offer it. I understand that. Not not every business can, can let you work remotely. Not every business can let you work from home. But be clear on that. We, we've got one at the moment where great, great candidate needs to have some flexibility around the school run. And and I actually think it's it's such a shame that we can't get that flexibility because she's she's actually head and shoulders above the field. But because that flexibility isn't in play across the business, they can't offer it. But I can see why people are looking for candidates who can hit the ground running if they're going to incorporate working from home and flexibility because that a sort of remote management element that comes to working from home, I can see why you'd want someone who can just do the job because one of my issues with working from home is and flexibility, which I'm all for, is what do you do with the new people? What do you do with the, with people's... How did you find working from home? I... I have learned to live with it. I don't like it. I like working with people. I like collaborative things. I like, you know, I like the environment of people. Sometimes it's good when you've got to put your head down and get on with things. So that element of flexibility is good. It's very flexible if you've got kids. But one of my complaints about working from home is it assumes that everybody works the same way, and they don't. And it assumes that everybody's quite happy on their own, which they're not. It assumes that everybody's really good at their job, which they're not. It assumes everyone knows what they should be doing all the time, which is not true. So I think it depends on who it is and what their role is. Personally, I am absolutely rubbish at working from home. I lack discipline. 
it makes me less creative. I find the fridge and I find the sports channels and I'm easily distracted. And I've tried and failed before the pandemic with, you know, I'm going to build myself a little office. I'm going to do that. I failed miserably. So, so during the pandemic, I was the lonely business owner with the Spaniel that walked to the office every day, you know, and, and worked on my own up there. And I got stuff done that way. Didn't like it because I'm a people person. I'm a visual person. But, but I realised that there's times now, yeah, I can sit at home at the weekend and I can message a business owner on a Sunday because that's when they want to talk to me and I can do some content on LinkedIn. But, but genuinely where the magic happens, for me, I like to be around people. So onboarding someone remotely, very difficult. Training someone remotely, very difficult managing someone remotely can often lead to more micromanagement. So remote work is is very, very tough. And if you've got a showroom where you want people to hold it, touch it, feel it, smell it, you know, you, you want them in front of you. You know, that's when the magic happens. You, you can close it, you know, because you're going to build some, such more detailed relationship. They come in with their children, you know, where they go to school. There's so much more in the relationship side. What do you think the current state of salary is? Is there any kind of consistency with it? Are the expectations of people coming out of university completely mad? <laughs> you know, how? Because that's one of the complaints I've heard is that you get graduates who've you know come out of university in September and they want. 30, 40 grand a yeah, year. Yeah, lots of businesses are using the word like like, like a privileged grad, you know, and a, a privileged grad wants X, Y, and Z. There is a disconnect. There, there, there's a disconnect in terms of what businesses can offer from, fina- from a financial perspective. If your budget is X, you're not going to attract someone above that budget. So look at your budget. And look, this is the advice we always say is like, that's your budget and you can't, there's no, it's non-negotiable. You can't flex on that. And that's your commission structure and you can't flex on that. What can you offer to bring in the person that maybe in the medium to long term is going to be what you want? Or in, or in, in the short term, they're going to, be, going, to, going to be good. They're going to be honest. They're going to be hardworking. They're going to have a smile on their face. You may not be able to get that superstar signing. You want a big high impact signing. Yeah, I want that person. If you can't afford them, be realistic with yourself and, and accept you can't afford them. We, we had a conversation last week. Great business. Well-known business. And what they're looking for they're 15k under the market. And it didn't go well when I told them that. But I'm like, well, there's no point in me telling you what I can tell you what, what, what you want to hear. You can shake my hand, you can pay my deposit, and I can not fill the role. Or I can tell you what you don't want to hear. We can talk it out, we'll figure out a way, and we'll find you people that suit what you can afford. And again, that's that's education. That that's understanding your market. That's talking to the right people. But are you counseling job seekers on their own expectations of salary? Big time, yeah. Big time. You're managing expectation all the way through. I'm in a recruitment business. 99% of what you do is managing disappointment. You know, it's managing disappointment. It's, Andrew, you've been unsuccessful. Andrew, you haven't got an interview. Andrew, your CV's rubbish. Andrew, the reason you, you, you know, you look scruffy. Like, you know, you, you're managing expectation. On the other side of it, you wanted to attract this. You can't attract that. You've offered them that. They've turned it down. They've had a counter offer. So where you're, where you're dealing with disappointment, managing that expectation is absolutely crucial. So being able to tell someone what they don't want to hear, but leave them in a positive place, that's like a dark art. And, you've got, and if you're good at that, people will come back and they'll talk to you. And how much negotiation takes place on salary? And has that changed since COVID? With some businesses, there's no negotiation whatsoever. With other businesses, there's always flexibility. I think where, where, where you have the challenges are if you put a position up as a 30K basic and the best candidates want 40 and you've said to yourself, well, if I get the right person, I will pay 40. Somehow you've got to 
get your content right or get your marketing right or get your approach right to get someone interested who's more than what you're telling people the job's worth. And that that's a challenge. So are, are people negotiating more? Yeah, they're not that good at it. Some are good at it, some are not. You know, it is what it is. Well, look, the clock's been us here, Pete, but let's conclude with what your view is of what happens next and how you read the recruitment market from the perspective of how the overall market is doing as a bellwether. Where do you think this is going to go in the next six months, 12 months? What's your reading of it, do you think? I think I think we, we, we're seeing, so I'm going to talk from a foreign Jones recruitment perspective, I'm seeing more new inquiries from hiring businesses and hiring managers than I have at any stage this year. So right now, we're seeing an influx of inquiries. So what I would say about those projects, some of them will go live this year, others will go Q1 next year. But there's there's realignments taking place, so there are opportunities out there. We will see an overwhelming number of new people coming onto the market because there will be more redundancies, there will be more restructuring, there will be more realignment. The challenges, I believe, will come in terms of how businesses navigate this this next 18 to 24 months and when when the market's tough because I, I think it's tough at the moment and, I, and if anyone says it isn't fair play you know but i think it's tough good people become even more precious good people are even in more demand so if you've got a good person working for you this is one for your retailers good person working for you look after them manage them reward them you know celebrate them make them feel special in whatever way you can hang on to your good people and if you're looking to attract good people Take this away. You've got no God-given right that a good person wants to work for you. You've got no God-given right because you advertise a job that someone's going to knock on the door and be fit for purpose. So think about how you can change what you're doing to stand out as become an employer of choice. To become an employer of choice, you've got to do the right things. And that, that's the message I'd say. So it's going to be tough, but it's getting better. To navigate it, remind yourself that it's all about people and good people become even more precious. Thanks for coming in and seeing us, Peter. This has been absolutely fascinating. There's some real nuggets in there. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming all the way to Harrow for this. It's going to take you a good three quarters of an hour to get your car out. Oh, but I'll do it, mate. It's okay. I've got beepers. Thank you for coming in and we'll speak again soon. Nice one, Andrew. Thank you so much. That was Peter Jones from Foyne Jones. I think it's always great to talk to anyone who is so passionate and animated about his subject. And there's a lot of great advice in there for anyone recruiting or looking for a new job. So I hope it was as useful as it was interesting. So a huge thank you to Peter for coming in. Don't forget that entries are open for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024. It's totally free and you can find all the info you need at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. See you next time.